Good morning, everybody. So before I, I jump into our discussion today, I want to give you a preview of what's going to happen the next uh, few weeks so you can be aware of what's going on around here. Um, as you know, we're currently doing Proverbs, but uh, today is the uh, second to last Sunday that we're going to be in Proverbs. I know it's a sad day for you. We've been in this, this book for like 20 weeks straight. Uh, but today will be our second to last talk on Proverbs. Now the plan is, uh, next Sunday is what? What is next Sunday? Mother's Day, which means you need to go and buy your mom something really, really special and nice this week. Uh, but beside that, listen, listen, besides that, um, we are still having overflow on Sunday next week, which is Mother's Day. Now here's what I want to remind you of. Um, Instead of us talking about Proverbs next week, we're going to play like a, uh, everybody here know who Matt Chandler is? He's a really uh, well-known preacher, pastor, great teacher. Uh, we're going to play a video by him next Sunday, and then that following week we'll finish up Proverbs that following week, and we're gonna, our last topic on Proverbs is going to be on the big topic of marriage, relationships and marriage, Okay. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not getting married, so why, why are we talking about that? Well, it's going to be dating and marriage kind of tied together. That'll be our last discussion on Proverbs. That'll be like two weeks from today. And then we will, listen up, shh, shh, shh. Then we will um, do two more uh, videos before we go to Impact Camp by Matt Chandler that I want you to hear. There's, there's three talks by him you'll hear before you go to Impact Camp that really tie into the gospel and I want this to prepare you for what you're about to embark on with impact. So be ready for that. So next week, we'll, we'll still meet here next week. And even though it's Mother's Day, we will still have overflow next Sunday. So um, as we start out each week, we make you guys uh, rehash this first verse, chapter 1, verse 7. And I want you to read it with me. This will be your second to last time doing this. So make sure you read it loud and proud. So here we go. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Three, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I, it's funny, I only heard one voice over everyone else's voice. Can anyone guess who that was? Yes, it was you. It was you. All right, so uh, we, discussed, we discussed friendship last week. And I think friendship is such an important topic that I decided to do friendship part two. So today is friendship part two. Now, I'll do a quick review for those who were not here last week on our main points from last week. And here's our main points from last week. Here it is. Uh, we said friendships cannot be based on external things. So if you have any quote-unquote friends that are based on uh, athletic ability, based on beauty, based on popularity, based on money, that is not a real friendship. Real friendship is not based on external things. We also said that friendships are discovered, not forced. Anyone here ever tried to force a friendship? It doesn't work very well. You can't. You, listen, listen, listen. It's appropriate. Listen up, listen up. It is appropriate to ask, if you're a guy, ask a girl to go out with you, but it's not appropriate to ask a friend, okay? You don't say, like, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Please be my, I am desperate for friends. Be my friend! Right? You don't, you can't force friendship. You can't force friendship. And then tying into that, number three, 
Friends cannot be overbearing. Friends, man, this is a hard one. If if you know someone who is like this and, and you just you're trying to be nice, you're trying to be like Jesus, but it's it's really painful being friends with them because they are so overbearing. They do things like they're like, Hey, you want to come over and hang out? And you're like, It's two o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? I you're really, really this is painful. This is painful. So friends cannot be overbearing. Uh, number four, friends need to have emotional understanding. Listen, if a friend does not understand how emotions work, then they're not going to have many friends throughout life, right? We said last week that if, if you're someone that jokes around a lot, and if your joking leads to people getting hurt all the time, then it's not joking, it's sin. So friends have to understand how emotions work, and if they don't get that, they're not going to have any friends. Then last two, real friends tell you the truth. So real friends tell you the truth. And then real friends help you grow spiritually. So my hope as we read that list last week was that you saw this, you, you saw this and, you, and you said to yourself, you know what? I don't think I have any real friends. I don't think I'm really a friend to anybody, right? And that you would then get convicted about that and repent and turn to, towards Jesus in the midst of that. And so um, that's where today comes in. Because you can understand all of these things about friendship, all these principles about friendship. But the question is, what happens when friendships just go bad? What happens when you're doing all these things, you feel like you got this thing nailed down, but just friendships just go bad, right? And it tends to happen a lot, especially at, at your age. Would you not agree with that? This is kind of the, the volatile age where friendships can just sort of blow up and you have no idea what caused it? Now, before we talk about this, I want to make one thing really clear. I'm not this morning just doing like a little cutesy, clever friendship talk. This is not about like, I just want you guys to just understand some principles to apply to your friendship so that you can have more friends and better friends. That's not the purpose of what we're talking about this morning. The reason why I care about talking about friendship with you guys is because of the gospel. That's it. I don't care how many friends you have. I really don't, all right? All I care about is, is how we represent Christ and the gospel to the world because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in the gospel. He said, they will know you are my disciples by what? I heard, here's what I heard. I heard is, by, by what? You, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Who is they? They is the world out there. They will know you, listen, are my disciples by your love for each other. So what I'm most concerned about is most of the time when friendships blow up in high school, what I see happen to the church is the church ends up getting destroyed and God's people end up getting destroyed and the gospel suffers, and the reputation of Jesus suffers. So this is why we're discussing friendship. I really don't care how many friends you have, right? I'm not concerned with that as much, but if you get this part of it right, and you take it seriously for the gospel's sake, I think God will bless you with friendships and healthy friendships. So that's our purpose this morning. So our first passage is chapter uh, 10, verse 18, and uh, here's what it says. 
It says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Now, let me tell you what this passage means. Um, we can all attest to the idea that whenever friendships go bad and go bad quickly, that what happens is the person who's on the receiving end of that sin, whatever that sin might be, the person who feels like the victim, so to speak, in the friendship, that person ends up having a hatred or a strong, strong dislike to the other person. But what happens is you don't typically go around just announcing to everyone, you know, you know, I hate so-and-so. I hate her. I hate him, right? You don't just walk around and announce it to people like that. You just kind of have this feeling in your, in your heart, this seething bitterness. You might share it with a friend or two, but you're not going to walk around school just announcing it to everyone. Because here's what happens when you announce Publicly, your hatred for someone else, people start to go, like, well, you kind of have issues. You need to get over that, right? They start to see you as the problem if you begin to do that. So most of us kind of have the, the self-awareness to know, I'm not just going to go spat out my hater for everybody throughout school. I'm not going to do that, right? And so we tend to conceal it. But what this verse is saying is, if you conceal it completely, then you have, you're essentially lying to yourself and lying to everyone else. So now it's not saying that you should go and just spread how much you hate people, like walk through school and be like, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, and just, I hate you too, right? It's not saying you should like go spread and publicly say these things, but what it is saying is that if there's an issue between you and a friend, if you try to push it under the rug or conceal it, you are essentially being hypocritical and you are lying, right? You're lying to yourself. You're not being honest about the issue between you and your friend. And so there is a healthy way to go about resolving some of these things. So here's what you have to acknowledge. Listen, you have to acknowledge that sometimes friendships need repair. You can't ignore the fact that friendships just, you can't think that friendships just kind of maintain themselves, right? They don't maintain themselves. They have to be maintained. At times they might they might need repair. And so, so to pretend like there's no issue is, is to lie. It's to lie to yourself. It's to lie to God. And there's a way to handle some of these issues. So here's what happens. If you're someone who does conceal this and you sort of stuff it away like most people do, here's what happens. It comes out in other ways. And this verse says it comes out in slander, meaning that you, you spread lies about people. It comes out, it's going to find a way to come out if you don't deal with it in the appropriate way. It'd be like, if you can picture this, my wife has these, uh, these, uh, these pots, we boil water on the stove. I really can't cook much. I can boil water pretty well. But um, beyond that, really can't cook a whole lot. But there's these pots, and they have like this lid on top, this, this clear lid. And um, the lid keeps everything pretty much inside. There's this one tiny little hole in the lid where the steam can escape. And this is kind of what happens whenever you have this concealed hatred for someone and you don't deal with it in the proper way, is that it's going to find its way out. It's going to eventually come out, and it usually comes out through slander, gossip, and lies. That's what normally happens. And so what I want you guys to do is do your first three questions at your tables. Go ahead and discuss questions one through three. Go ahead and discuss.
Do you guys need more time on your ranking? More, more time needed on your ranking? You're good. You're good. All right. All right, so I want to get a, a quick survey. We'll, we'll see a, have a show of hands. So if your table said, here's the question. If there's a conflict between your friends, how do you think they'd be most likely to handle it as a table rank these possible scenarios from most likely to least likely? So did anyone say uh, just avoid it and pretend the conflict doesn't exist while remaining friends? Anybody have that for number one? Any table have that for number one? No, no, no. Okay. So you guys did. All right. Uh, how about both people just avoid each other and stop being friends? Is that number one for any table? So that's so far winning. And then um, you guys know my, my Justin Bieber joke that's not going to be number one for anybody. So um, was the Justin Bieber one for anyone, number one for any table? Any table have number, that's number one? No. All right. I never passed up a chance to make fun of that guy. All right, the number th- the fourth one was, listen, listen. The person who was sinned against confronts the other gently. There's forgiveness, and the friendship is strengthened. Was that number one for anybody? I didn't think so. All right, then lastly, both people verbally backstab one another until everyone else is sick of hearing about it. So it's probably, that's probably number one, correct? So that's probably, so the second one would probably be the, just avoid each other and stop being friends is the second one. So it's like either, listen, listen. So either your friends are like just really overly aggressive or just ultra, ultra passive. One of those two, right? There's not much in between, right? Is that what you guys are saying to me? They're either just overly aggressive or they're ultra, ultra passive. Now, um, what I want to do is give you four things that I think um, – are things to think about when you are going through conflict with a friendship, all right? So here's the first one. Uh, Chapter 11, verses 12 to 13, and we'll have these on the screen for you. And uh, here's what chapter 11, verses 12 to 13 says. It says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. I want to focus on this idea of belittling someone. Your, your Bible might say something else. What do your Bibles say for that word besides belittle? What do your Bibles say? Deride. All right, so the idea would be that you're sort of speaking down to someone, talking down to someone, but it's not just to belittle them with words. This could also mean the way you see them. Just you see them as less than yourself. You see yourself as up here, and you see them is down here. Any, everyone can, can bind to this idea that when someone else wrongs you, there is this natural reaction in us to think, I would not have done that to them, right? I, and what you're saying there is you're saying, I am better than they are. Now, we don't admit that to ourselves. We don't walk around saying those words, but we act as if we are superior to them, right? We act as if I would never do such a thing as, as they did Therefore, I am better than they are. And so the first thing you have to let go of when someone wrongs you is this superiority complex, this idea that you would not have acted the way that they acted if the circumstances were in your court. You've got to let go of this superiority complex. In chapter 24, verse 29, the next principle, it says, 
It says, do not say I will do to him as he has done to me. And we can also fill in the blank there. Do not say I will do to her as she has done to me, girls. This applies to you as well. I will pay the man or the woman back for what he or she has done. So here's the principle. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil. Have you noticed that when someone wrongs you, it feels like they owe you something, right? This is why people say things like, I am going to get them back. I'm going to pay them back. They're going to pay for this. We use language like that because it feels like they stole something from us. It feels like they took something from us. For some, it might be your reputation. For others, it might be they literally stole a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? They stole something from you. And so we had this language of, I'm going to repay. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to, they owe me. And so we say things like that because that's what, it, that's what it feels like. And what we do is we start down the same sinful spiral that they began. So we, we start playing the same sin game that they're currently playing. And when you think about it, how illogical is this? This makes no sense that we do this. This makes no sense that we acknowledge the sinful wrongdoing that they did to us and then we turn around and say, I will do the exact same thing back to them. We're saying it's sin that they did it to me. I'll return the favor, but mine's not sin. Do you see how illogical we are when it comes to this kind of thing? We make no sense to ourselves or anyone else. This would be like... If I can give you a picture, this is like trying to fight fire with more fire, right? This is like there's a fire in the outback, the place is ablaze, and someone goes and grabs a flamethrower instead of a fire extinguisher. Oh, I got it, guys. I'll put it out, right? And it's like, no, that's, that's going to make it worse. Put, put that down. You're, you're an idiot, right? But, but this is what we do in, in relation. We treat people like this instead of, instead of thinking that, that Christ's way is going to work. We take things into our hands and we, we make things worse with our, own, with our own sin. This is exactly what we do. In fact, uh, recently um, I was, uh, you know, just checking the weather on Facebook, just seeing what's going on in the world, you know. And, uh, and no one in the room that I'm talking about here, so don't worry about that, but... Um, but I, I stumbled across this conversation that was just very, like, insulting to both people. It was just back and forth, back and forth between these two guys that I know. And, uh, and, and don't act like you don't click on those conversations to people. I know you do. You see those conversations, you're like, oh, what's this about, right? And so it's not just me. So I'm, I'm just trying to be a good pastor, a good shepherd, trying to speak truth, right? And so, um, so I see this conversation, and this thing gets, it just gets bad. I mean, it's just... It's just back and forth. There's tons of, like, language, and I don't know the backstory of what happened here in the situation, but it's, it looks bad. And on the front side, it looks very complex. It looks very complicated. As a pastor, I sit there and think, man, I don't know how these two guys are ever going to be friends again. It, it seems so complex. But when you look at it from a different perspective, relationship conflict is usually pretty simple, isn't it? usually comes down to this person sinned, this person sinned as a result of their sin, this person sinned as a result of their sin against their sin, 
and no one's going to repent, no one's going to forgive, and that's what you have. It's usually pretty simple, but it often looks a lot more complex than it really is. And so here's what I want you to know this morning. What is the solution to this kind of conflict? What is the solution to the, the complex, complicated things that you see going on around you? The solution is more simple than you think it is. The solution is the gospel. The solution, church answer, is Jesus, right? The solution is the gospel. We can't sit here and say, I know you, in your mind you're thinking of, of, of scenarios and you're thinking, well, well, you don't understand it. It's very complicated. It's more complex than that. No, it's not. It's always about this person sinned. They're not sorry. This person sinned against them as a result of that. They're not sorry. There's no forgiveness, no repentance. So let me ask you a question. If the gospel is enough to fix our relationship with God himself, a broken relationship with God himself, then why is the gospel not enough to fix our relationship with each other? Why is it more complex than that? Why is there more needed than that? The gospel, the gospel fixes our relationship with God himself. Grace, forgiveness, repentance, that's what fixes our relationship with God himself. And it's the exact same thing. That gospel unleashed in your life is what fixes relationship conflict in your life as well. Broken relationships. So do not repay evil for evil. So the next thing I want you to look at is chapter 25, verses 21 to 22. And it says this, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. We saw this passage a few weeks ago, and so I want to repeat it again. And so basically it's saying simply repay evil with good. Instead of repaying evil for evil, repay evil with good. So you don't just avoid, you don't just avoid the enemy. You don't just avoid the person you're in conflict with. It says you actually move towards them and you repay evil with something that is good. So if, if your enemy is hungry, you give him what he needs to eat. If he is thirsty, you give him water to drink. And this is so hard. This is so difficult. And, and so the first part of the verse, chapter tw- verse 21, we understand verse 21. We would expect verse 21 to come from the Bible, right? We'd expect it to say, yeah, be nice to your enemies. We'd expect that from God's word. But verse 22 is where we go, wait, what? What does it mean that when it says, it says, uh, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. That's not how I expected that verse to end. I expected it to say, okay, feed your enemy, give him food to drink, give him, give, him, uh, give him water to drink, because that's just the right thing to do, or something along those lines. But no, it says, because by doing that, you will heap burning coals on his head, at which point you go, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want to put burning coals right on top of his head, right? That's what I feel like doing. And so what is he saying when he, when he says it this way? Here's what, here's what it might be saying. The goal of the person that you're trying to reach out to, your enemy, the goal for them is repentance. It is repentance. It is, it is that you be so kind to them that they turn to Jesus. That, that they, they get kind of irritated 
Anyone here ever been like had coals sort of dropped down the back of your shirt? Anybody have that happen to you before or all the time? Or maybe 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 someone put a fork down the back of your shirt. I don't know. I'm just trying to Maybe it's happened to you before, I'm not sure, but but it's a little irritating, right? It's a little irritating. And I think that might be what he's trying to communicate here is that the person might squirm a little bit and wonder, wait, why is this why is this person doing this to me? Why why are they being so kind to me? Because here's the question I want to ask you. What has the greatest chance of leading that person to repentance? Is it kindness or is it being an enemy? Is it treating them harshly? Which has the better chance of bringing them to Jesus? It's, it's kindness. So you repay evil with good. And then uh, the last point, chapter 28, verse 13, it says, it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So what you see here is that when you confess when you confess your sin to someone that you've sinned against, when you confess to that person, there's a greater chance, not, not always, there's a greater chance for that to lead to renewed friendship. There's a greater chance for it to lead to the gospel doing its work in that relationship that you're, that you're enemies with. And so when I say confession, I'm not, not picturing like, you know, a little... Uh, priest and a a little booth and and a Catholic confession, but I'm talking about you go to that person and you say, you acknowledge your sin. You say, hey, I know when I did this, I was wrong. I was being selfish. You don't say things like, you know, I'm sorry I did this to you, but I did it because you did this, right? That's not confession. That's not what we're talking about here. You own your sin. You own your junk, right? And you give them a chance. Here's Here's the thing, guys. When you do that, there's a greater chance that they're going to own theirs as well. Not always, but there's a greater chance that they will. I've noticed this pattern with my son. And uh, when I've had to, um, or when I've sinned and crossed the line and, and, and gotten harsh with him or something along those lines, said things I don't really want to say to him, and, um, and he reacts to that, and I have to go back to him and say, you know, son, I'm sorry that I, rea- that I responded this way to you. I'm sorry I was mean to you. I'm sorry I said those harsh words to you. And almost always my son will, will find something he's done wrong, and he'll be like, well, Daddy, I'm sorry that I did this, this, and this. And I'm like, you did that too? What? <clears throat> and so, um, so he'll find it as a way to confess. Like, he'll confess, and uh, it's just really cool to watch a four-year-old kid get this. It's like if we model for him confession and, and repentance, he does the exact same thing. And it becomes easier for him to, to do that. So confession Confession leads to a renewed friendship. Now, you might say, okay, Dave, I can do all those things. I can hit all those points. But, man, this, this whole thing just feels impossible. This whole thing just feels like it totally goes against all of my flesh, all of my willpower. And here's the thing, guys. You're right. It does. It totally goes against everything that in your heart you want to do. Everything. So I don't, want you to, I don't want you to forget this last point. And it comes from Luke chapter 18, verse 27. Go to the last slide. And so if you think to yourself, this is impossible. You're right, it is. It is impossible. But there's this little verse in chapter 18 of, of, of Luke in, in verse 27 where, go to the, the very last slide, if you will. 
where Jesus is talking about a rich man. And he says, it'd be easier for uh, someone to pass through the eye of a needle, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter God's kingdom. And the disciples respond, how? Remember how they respond? They respond by saying what? They say, well, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? And this is Jesus' response. He says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So he's, he's talking about a rich man getting saved being possible. But what I want to say to you is this. Whatever, I think this verse applies to even relationships, whatever you think is impossible, you're right, it is impossible. Because you're thinking about that thing in your own strength. You're thinking about, okay, how can I muster up the strength to pull this thing off? How can I make this happen? And you're right, it's impossible. It should feel that way because what's impossible to man is is possible to God. So what you have to have before you move into um, this kind of thing, you've got to have a heart that's been changed by Jesus. You've got to have a heart that's been set free by the gospel so that you can then let that same gospel set you free in your friendships. So with that said, go ahead and do your last uh, few questions when you're, uh, when you're finished. Go ahead and wrap up with uh, praying for your table. Go ahead and discuss.